Today's shear begins at the very top of Daf Nun Vov, at the Mishnah. Hanoder min habayis, muter be'aliyah. One who swears not to benefit from a bias. Again, the issue that we've mentioned already so many times in recent shurim, are we going to translate or not? Best advice is not to translate because that limits you in understanding. But to give a flavor of things, bias in other contexts is often referred to as a house. And here you'll see the problem with that translation. Here a person swears not to benefit from a bias. He is allowed to benefit from Aliyah. Aliyah, a second story. That's Rabbi Meir's opinion. In other contexts, you might see Aliyah as a reference to an attic. The Aliyah is included within bias. One who swears not to benefit from Aliyah, Mutter Babayas. Everyone will agree that bias is not a subcategory of Aliyah. So if he vowed not to benefit from Aliyah, he is allowed to benefit from the bias. Man Tana. We have a Tanaic source, and we want to figure out who the author of this source would be. And it's uh, interesting structurally to note that in response to this question of who is the author, you will see Rav Chista and Abaye appearing, uh, where Rav Chista appears to offer a, we'll call it a uh, limited explanation as, as to who the author is, and uh, Abaye will offer a more expanded version of who the author is. We saw the same phenomenon on Daf Nun Dalid Ahmed Aleph, the lower half of the page, also where we marked with triangles, uh, coincidentally, Rav Chista and Abaye. That's simply by way of a general structure and approach. Um, in our case, we have a Tanaic source that comes from the topic of Nige Botim. What are Nige Botim? Maybe you're familiar with the term Soras, that has to do with an area of Tuma, of, of uh, defilement, that results from discoloration. In the case of Soras, you can have Soras Odom skin discoloration. There's, there's Nega. Nega is a term we can use interchangeably. Negoyim and Soras, we can use them interchangeably. There's a reference, you can have that affecting clothing, Nige Begodim. And there's also a realm called Nige Botim, a discoloration. It might say it's a miraculous phenomenon. We don't experience this anymore on a, on a, we'll say on a practical halachic level. But there was an Maybe there is, but there was a reality of house walls changing color uh, that are is not a function of a, of a burst pipe, let's put it that way. But it's a function of something else, uh, more divine, um, which results in the house becoming defiled. That's Nige Botim. The Tanaic source says, Babayas, that's a word from the Torah, that comes to include the Yitzia as also subject to Nige, uh, to Nige Botim. The Yitzia is a, a type of um, let's say, structure that is attached to a house. 
you see in Maseches Bava Basra, if I'm not mistaken, um, a more extensive discussion concerning Yitziah. But for our purposes, it would be a type of uh, uh, structure that is is, uh, built alongside or attached to a house. You find the term Yitziah in the construction of the Beis Hamikdash with various chambers that uh, that, uh, open uh, into the Beis Hamikdash proper. The term Babayas, Lerabois es Hoaliyah. In our discussion, Yitzia is not going to figure very prominently, but this section of the source will. And the term Bias therefore comes to include the Aliyah. The, namely, regarding laws of Nigoyim, the Aliyah is affected. That if a discoloration on the walls of the Aliyah apply, so whatever the Torah dictates regarding Nigay Botem applies to the discoloration of the walls of the Aliyah. So, who is the author of this? Omar of Chisto, Rebbe Meir, he. This must be in accordance with Rebbe Meir. Di Rabbonan, Ho'amri Rabbonan, if it were in accordance with the Rabbonan, the Rabbonan said, Aliyah bichlal habayis, lomali kro babayis lirbuye. The, the, the Aliyah is included in a house. What do you need a special Torah word, like a special extra word, where the Torah would, so to speak, go out of its way, adding a word to include the Aliyah, which is, according to the Rabbonin, included anyway in the term bias. So once the Torah says that a bias is subject to Negoyim, it's obvious that the Aliyah is included. You don't need an extra word for that purpose. So, who's the author of this? Rav Chista tells you it's Rebbe Meir. According to Rebbe Meir, the Aliyah is not automatically included in a house, and if you want, therefore, the Aliyah to be included in the rules of Nigei, but him, you'll have to have a special Torah word to include it. The mission, this Tanaic source can be in accordance with the Rabbonon as well. The Rabbonon need a posuk for Negoyim to include the Aliyah. Now, why do the Rabbonah need a special posuk to include the Aliyah in Negoyim? The Salkadaita Chamina, I would have thought, without the special posuk, without the special word, the posuk says, regarding Negoyim, it says, regarding the rules of Tzoras, of houses, it says, And from this posuk, I would have got the wrong impression. That which is, include, that which is in, attached to the ground is called a house with regard to Negoyim. The attic or the second story is not attached to the ground. And therefore, maybe it's not subject to the laws of Negoyim, that for Negoyim to affect the house, I would have thought it has to be attached to the ground. Therefore, I have the additional word, Babayis, from the, that we saw in the Tanaic source, to include the Aliyah with regard to Negoyim. Keman Azla Hod Yamar Ravhuna Ula. We have a question, it's a long question, you can see how we've marked it thusly, and we want to know. Ula's teaching, according to whom does it go? And what does Ula say? If a person in a commercial transaction says, I am selling you. And Ula says, The owner can show the customer the aliyah. In other words, the aliyah is 
referred to or is included in the term bias mebesi. Taimah di Amarle bias shebebesi ani mocherloch. Avol bias stam eno mareyo aliyah. If a person had said, uh, "I am selling you a, a bias," you would not be able to uh, to show him that you bought the aliyah. So, just to review, in order for aliyah to be the the item of sale, the the owner would have had to say bias bebesi. But by saying bias ani mocherloch, that alone would not have included the Aliyah. So, Lema Rabbi Meirhi, should I say that the teaching of Ula is in accordance with the, we'll say, the minority, the singular opinion of only Rabbi Meir. You saw in the Mishnah that by vowing not to benefit from a bias, that doesn't include Aliyah. So, this teaching of Ula would seem to be in accordance with only Rabbi Meir. The Gemara says, not so. Afilu Temo Rabbonin. Ula's teaching can agree with the Rabbonin as well. My Aliyah, the teaching of Ula said, you can show him Aliyah. You know what Aliyah means? The Rashi comments, Afilu Temo Rabbonin, Lo Temo Aliyah Mamish. In in, in uh, interpreting or in, in translating Ula's words, don't explain Aliyah as meaning an attic. Elamai Aliyah de Katani. The word Aliyah from the word Mula means best quality. Best quality of property. Habayas Hamashubach Shebebesov Tsarach Litein Lawadin. And in this sale, if a person says, Bayas Bebesi Ani Mocherloch, you are expected to be selling the customer the best of your properties. If a person would have just used the word bias without the compound expression bias mamish, he would be entitled to show the customer that you are purchasing an attic. The bias, the word bias includes aliyah, just like the Rabbonin said. The Mishnah. A person who swears not to uh, benefit from a mita. Uh, now the word mita will we'll translate as a bed. He is not prohibiting himself from a dargish. Now this word we cannot translate at this early point. But suffice it to say that according to Rabbi Meir, dargish is not included in mita. The Chom disagree that the Dargish is included, and if he swore, not, if he vowed not to benefit from Mita, he will not be able to benefit from Dargish either. A person who vowed not to benefit from a Dargish, he is allowed to benefit from the bed. My Dargish, the obvious question. A question that will preoccupy our Gemara, uh, clear down uh, half of Omid base till the next Mishnah. Uh, on the side of the Gemara, the no say the topic heading that we have is Mita 
Dargish, Mahu Dargish, and under the Mivne heading, the structural note, a diamond appears, as they will in the Gemara. These are Deos Be Mahu Dargish. So that, get a bird's eye view of the Gemara before we get into the text. Ula is number one. And he says that a Dargish is an Arsa de Gada. We'll see later that it has, it will translate it as a good luck bed. Where do you see the second diamond? So you'll have to scan to uh, scan over the number uh, to Omid base, and you'll see uh, Rovin is highlighted in the diamond, and the double underline that appears a few lines later has his explanation of Dargish's Arsa Ditsala, a leather bed. By way of additional markings, you see that we've used a trapezoid or volcano shape, which uh, represents a ma'akav, a, an attempt to keep track of a back and forth, a, a, a vigorous give and take discussion. The narrow shape, the narrow part of the volcano shape facing upwards represents a kushya alu, we have difficulty for ula. The inverted is a chuva, a response. So if you can do the following exercise, this is one of the special features of Gemara markings. Um, even though we're uh, uh, we're part of the the Daf Yomi uh, scheme of things right now, the special feature of Gemara markings Daf Yomi is the structural emphasis that we place on the Gemara. So take a look at the volcano shape. Can you can you uh, uh, skim ahead? So the first appearance of it is as a question on Ula, and then it flips over, which would be a response. Again, a question, then a response. But continue on to Omid Bays. You notice the last volcano shape? Yep, you see it three lines from the top. That is a question mode, a question on Ula. And as a result of that, we're led to a second approach, some, an alternative to Ula, as we will see in the name of Ravan. So in the meantime, the Gemara will be focusing on Ula's explanation and uh, we'll say giving it a rough time. The Gemara. My Dargish. What is Dargish? Omar Ula Arsa Degada. A good luck bed. Basically, it's a regular bed. However, no one will sleep on it. And don't ask me why but it was, it was held as a, as a good luck uh, item uh, for people to have such a thing. It's a regular bed, but never used. The word gada, uh, you can see in the Meforshim, the etymology of that word has to do with luck. Omru lei rabbonon leula. Hadisnan. We have a Tanaic source, it's quoted, of course, out of context, but the main point is the fact that in this source the Dargish will appear. So just by way of background, the source deals with a king that uh, becomes a mourner. Now, mourners would, the, for the laws of mourning, uh, dictate that a person who is a mourner, uh, Loalenu, sits on the ground. What happens if a king becomes a mourner? He can't sit in his regular um, kingly throne uh, that's uh, not in, uh, in in consonance with the 
um, situation of being a mourner. So what does he do? Um, another aspect of mourning that will be, that will be featured here is that a mourner, uh, certainly on the first day of mourning, uh, after the uh, the uh, the relative is interred, uh, he is provided with a meal by the community. In other words, he does not eat from his own food. This applies to a king as well. The, uh, the source says, Mavrin is the verb form of providing the meal, and also as a pronoun, him, it's a reference to the king, the king who became a mourner. The people, the, the subjects, they sit on the floor. And the king will sit on a dargish. And now the, the Rabbana developed the question that they want to direct to Ula. You said that a dargish is a good luck bed. It's a, you never sit on it. Kula shasa lo Could it be that all throughout the year no one would uh, sit on it? And that day that that he happens to be a, a mourner, he's going to sit on it. It's like isn't isn't that uh, out of out of uh, out of character with regard to the day? So it's odd, isn't it? If you and, and that's the result, though. If you're going to insist that a dargish is an arsa de gado, that's the situation you'll see. Maskiflor Avino. Ravina says, if, if that's your objection to, that's not an objection. That's not a question. Look at the issue of the food. Throughout the year, uh, the eating of, um, of, of meat and wine is optional. If you want to eat, if you, you can eat. If you don't want to, you don't. And on that day, we, the, 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 the public, we provide him with the, uh, with the meat and wine. And uh, uh, Rashi adds, the, I, the uh, presence of wine for a mourner is sanctioned by the Pasuk, which says, the people that are of, of bitter spirit, someone who loses a close one, is, uh, is of bitter spirit. Wine is used by that to dissipate the, uh, to dissipate the intense uh, feelings. So that this idea of something, let's say, special on the on on, on the day of mourning, uh, which is uh, not characteristic, not practiced the rest of the year, is something that you find, in fact, in as part of the laws of mourning. So that if he's uh, going to be sitting on a bed that he ordinarily wouldn't be sitting on, fine, ella hokashia. But if you want to raise a question, now we'll raise a question. Desanya, dargish. Another rule of mourning, and this might not appear familiar to many of us, but as far as the, uh, the laws of the Talmud are concerned, part of mourning involves the inverting of beds. Beds were flipped over. This source says that if one owns a dargish, it wasn't flipped over. Kofeos to, to invert something. So what did what would you do with a dargish? You would stand it upright. So it wouldn't be in its regular position. It would be stood upright, but not inverted. The Amr de Gadahu, if you're going to say, like Ula said, that a dargish is a regular bed, just not used. 
Do we not have the following source that says that a mourner who has to invert his bed, not only his own personal bed, all beds in the house, all beds, including a good luck bed, has to be inverted. So it must be that a dargish is not what Ula called it, an arsa de gada. This isn't the problem. This is not an objection to explaining Dargish as Arsa de Gado. The Gemara continues at the top of Omid Beis. Midi dahave amito hamiuchedes lekelim. The non-inverting of the Dargish, of the Dargish, which might very well be like Ula said, a good luck bed, is the same law that applies to a bed whose exclusive purpose is as a display shelf. Mito, a bed that's miyuchenes lekelim, that's that's reserved for storing or for holding vessels. Desanya, im hoisa mito miyuchenes lekelim, if he has a bed that's used as a display shelf, ain't sorach lechmos, you don't have to invert it. So it's true we have this sweeping, sounding halach of all beds must be inverted, but there are exceptions. And that, that and that exception, exceptions will include me. Tamikhadasakana might very well refer to a good luck bed also. It doesn't need to be inverted. Elo, ikasha, okasha. Ah, but if you're gonna raise an objection to Ula, I've got one for you. The Sanya Reb Shimon ben Gamliel Oimer Dargosh regarding the laws of Kfiyas Hamita. We're staying within the topic of inverting beds. Reb Shimon Gamliel says when you have a Dargosh Matir Karbitov Noifel Me'elov you loosen the Karbitov you loosen the the, uh, the, the, the loops and the straps the Noifel Me'elov and it, and it falls down Onto the it, it falls down the the center portion of the bed. Once you loosen the straps and and the and the, uh, the loops, it will fall downwards. Now we haven't explained. We've translated some words. Uh, I, I hope that uh, the uh, diagrams that accompany this sugya are readily available, and you can see uh, you can see what we're referring to, and. We'll, we'll get back to that in a minute, but what's the main problem? The Gemara says, dargish If a dargish is what Ula said, a good luck bed, karbitin me is like, does a does a regular bed have have loops and straps? It doesn't. A, a regular bed is constructed another way. I'm not I'm not going to say necessarily it's uh, it's a, a box spring mattress. Uh, type bed that that many of us are familiar with that you you buy in furniture stores, but it might very well be that that might be a good example, so that a a, uh, a, a, a let's say a regular mattress type bed doesn't have loops and straps. So the dargish must be something else, not an arsedagad. An arsedagad was a regular bed that was used for good luck. But a regular bed doesn't have karbitov. Ki also rovin omar shiilte lau me abonad rav tachlifa bar marovu shmei. When rovin came, he said, "I asked the uh, some uh, someone of the scholars uh, whose name was rav tachlifa." 
He was a regular, he used to pass through the leather market where they sold uh, sheets of leather. The Omar Lee, my Dargish, and he explained to me, you know what a Dargish is? Arsa Tetzala. It's a, a leather bed. Rashi. Arsa Tetzala. You'll see the Rashi, the second of the narrow lines. Shel Or. Shiyoshin Elel. Avol Eino Chashuvokokach. It's a bed frame. And take a look at the diagrams if you have them available. You can see a a type of, of four legs with a frame and a sheet of leather that's attached to the frame with straps. Uh, but it, it's it's not considered of significance. Since it's not so important, you wouldn't flip it over as you would a regular bed of significance. You would stand it upright. We saw that on in our Gemara in the source that was quoted on Omid Aleph, uh, four lines from the bottom, where it said, So uh, Rashi continues, Since it's not important, he wasn't kaifa, he stood up, and that's enough, as far as fulfilling the laws of mourning. And therefore, in our Mishnah, when someone swore, or once vowed not to benefit from a mito, the muta bedargish, He's allowed to partake of a dargish. It's not important. In other words, it's not his vow was to pro, pro, was to preclude his benefit from something of importance. The dargish was on his mind. It's not important. And in fact, an arsa like uh, Rovin related, has karbitin, has these uh, loops and straps. Upolig Rabshim Gamliel Bakemar Vyamar, the boy fear Kolkach, Shematir Karbitin, the Ur Neufel Meelov. Rabshim Gamliel is telling us that, as opposed to the Rabbanon who disagree, that it does need Kfia. In other words, standing it upright is not enough. Now, how do you do Kfia to a Dargish? So you loosen the loops and the straps and the central portion of of the bed, uh, which is that, that the sheet of leather, it falls uh, groundwards. There are straps that surround the leather, um, the, the sheet of leather. And there, uh, ordinarily, there, the straps are drawn taut uh, on the, uh, the bed frame. And you tie the straps to the bed frame. And you are able to uh, sleep on it. And in the past, I used to imagine a, a trampoline. Uh, I don't know if, uh, if, as this recording is made, that's how trampolines appear. But nevertheless, it was, it's this idea of a, of a sheet of, of a material with uh, straps uh, uh, from all sides. And those are wrapped around a frame. When you loosen the straps and the central, uh, the central sheet, uh, sheet of material of leather falls to the ground, that's the ultimate in kfia, of an inverting, of flipping over the bed. So now we turn back to the Gemara. Itmar, Ezo Mitov, Ezo Dargash. What's the? Can we describe a difference between a mito and a dargish? So here the Gemara is 
um, going to deal with a mitah in a in a fashion that's different than what we suggested before when we spoke about the uh, the box spring uh, mattress type bed. Uh, we we did so for illustrative purposes only, uh, in order to establish a a, a, a strong contrast between the mita and the dargish. Here, though, you're going to see uh, um, another approach where, in fact, the, the mita and the dargish uh, seem to be kind of close to one another, uh, but nevertheless a difference. So here the Gemara asks, what is a mita and what is a dargish? Omar of Yirmiyan, we have a new shape here, a house shape on the side of the Nosei Mivne heading. The house represents Hezbeirim, Al-Mahu HaHevdel Bein Mita L'Dargish. What is the difference between them? So Rav Yirmiyan says, Mita Misargin Oisa al Gabo. the straps. And if you have the diagrams, and you look at the diagrams, you can see, um, you, you can see how we've tried to illustrate uh, some of these points. Uh, there's uh, diagram uh, number one and diagram number four. They uh, they would they uh, try to illustrate that how the straps go around, go over al gabo on the um, on the frame, uh, the wood frame of the bed. And dargish misargin oisoi migufo. This is Ravima. We're going to be changing things as we go on in the Gemara. But in the meantime, the dargish the the uh, straps go through the frame, and that you can see uh, is uh, illustrated in, in diagram number three, sirugomitocho, where you see the fr- there's their frames. The frame has uh, holes in it, and the straps that emerge from the central um, portion, the central leather portion, the straps that emerge go through the holes in the frame. So the uh, the the mita is the the straps are wrapped around the frame and the dargish the straps go through holes in the frame. The more asks Mesve, when challenging Rav Yirmiya, uh, from a source that deals with uh, a seemingly unrelated topic, but it deals with the de- defilement of wooden vessels. And here we're going to speak about beds and bed frames. When do they, uh, at what point would they be subject to defilement? And as far as the laws of defilement are concerned, uh, an item, a vessel, does not become defiled unless it is, has reached a certain level of completion. A vessel in its very early stages of development is not a vessel. It's not ready for use. So we have a source that says, Kli eights, meimosai mekabun wooden vessels, at what point are they ready, are they subject to to uh, defilement. Hamita v'harisa, a mita, and an arisa is a cradle, mishe yeshufem b'or hadag. When the wood is rubbed with fish skin, what happens is fish skin, apparently when you, when you rub it, when you, like, when you sand down a uh, wood frame with fish skin, it develops a certain uh, uh, gleam to it, a certain shine, and it looks nice. So at that point, that's like the end, that's the final stage for Tuma, uh, contract, contracting Tuma purposes, is this Mishi Yishufei Bor Hadag. Did we not say that you're doing this for, uh, we'll say, for um, attraction, for, attra- um, I'd say, uh, cosmetic purposes, to make it look nice? 
If you're going to define as Rebirmio said a mita, the straps are wrapped around the frame where you won't even be able to see the wood. The wood is covered with the straps. Lomali Shifasor Hadag. Why would its uh, its the, the tuma standard be delayed until the the uh, the rubbing of the fish skin on it? The rub, there's no need to rub the fish skin on it. You don't something uh, something that's going to be covered over anyway doesn't need to be rubbed down with the fish skin. Ella approach number two. Hava not just the dargish, but the bed also, the straps that, that, that extend forth from the central mattress, the straps aren't wrapped around the bed frame, but rather through the bed frame. So then what's the difference between the mita and the dargish? So mita, uli vafuki bibzini. Dargish, uli vafuki avaksa. So here we have, um, using our diagrams again, the uh, the idea of the mita is that the straps are threaded through holes in the frame itself. The strap goes. The strap itself goes through the holes. That's auli vafuki goes in and out through bizni through the holes. But an emphasis is on the straps themselves. The dargish. If you see, there's an illustration. I don't know how clear it is, but illustration number five has the holes hold loops and through the loops that are suspended from the bed frame holes the straps of the of the mattress are are threaded through the loops that extend down from the holes in the bed frame so i hope that that is understandable especially with the uh, with the diagrams. So the, the, the maskana of the Gemara is the mita would look like what you see in illustration 3 and the dargish would look like what we see in illustration 5. Omer of Yankiv bar Achoma Rebbe Mita shenakliteha yoitzin zoikvavidayo. Here we're not dealing with dargish anymore, we're dealing with laws of kfiyasamita, the inverting of a bed in a mourner's house. What happens if you have a canopy bed? Uh, if you look at, there's an illustration that you can see on our page of illustrations. A bed looks like a pup tent does, uh, above the bed. It's simply a, a, a canopy bed. <coughs> you can't flip it around to invert it. The 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 uh, upright poles wouldn't support the uh, wouldn't support the canopy bed if it's inverted. So what is the suggestion? So he says, do what you see in illustration 7. You stand it up on its side, you stand it upright, and that's your fulfillment of Fiasamita. Amr of Yankiv Baridi, Amr of Yeshua ben Levi, Halacha Kribshuman ben Gamliel. This is a reference to Rav Shimon Leo's ruling on the Dargish. You see an arrow to the side of the Gemara. In, in that case, Rav Shimon Leo, he had argued with the Chachamim. The Chacham said, with a, a dargish, you stand it upright. Rabbi Shlomo says, no, that's not enough, but rather you have to loosen the straps. The Mishnah. On the side, we have a, no say, topic heading, Hanodir Minoir, Osir Bi'ibura Shil, a person who swears not to uh, enter a city, not to benefit from a city, he cannot benefit from the uh, the Ibura Shil'ir either. The Ibura Shil'ir 
is a, we'll say, a belt around the city measuring uh, uh, a little more than 70 amos uh, surrounding the city. And the uh, next point in our heading is Hanodim in Abayas, also Rakmi Mokum Hagofa Sadelis Vilifnim, a person who uh, swears not to benefit from a house. Now, a house has an entranceway to it. Uh, and the entranceway or the, where you, uh, is an area of the house where the door closes. Now, the entranceway it's, itself is deeper or is thicker than the door. The door closes uh, in the entranceway at a certain point. You say halfway into the entranceway, you have the, the door, the door stopper, if you will, uh, where you can't, where the door is shut and it, it, it uh, remains shut. Uh, within the within its door frame, the door frame or the entranceway being being deeper or thicker than the door itself. So when a person swears not to benefit from a house, he is actually able. He's allowed to stand in the entranceway, but not beyond where the door closes. What we just described then is what in our introduction we mean that the Isser, the prohibition of benefiting from the house, is only from Mokum HaGofa Sadaus, from the point at which the door closes and inwards. But the point from outside the door's closing, even though you're still in the entranceway, you're not considered, as far as Nidorim purposes are concerned, you're not considered in the house. The Mishnah. A person who vows not to enter a city is allowed to enter the, the Tchum. The Tchum is a, a, an area surrounding a city measuring 2,000 Amos. 2,000 Amos around a city is called the Tchum of the city. Many of you might be familiar with the term Tchum from Hilchus Shabbos. The concept of Tchum also appears in the Torah concerning the Levite cities. The the Levium didn't inherit uh, sections, large sections of the land of Israel like the other tribes, but they did receive cities, and the cities include the Tchum around them as far as the Levi, the Levium inheritance. However, as far as Nedorim are concerned, one who vows not to enter a city is allowed to enter the Tchum. The Osir However, he cannot go so close to the city that he's within the Ebor, which is a belt around the city of 70 Amas and a fraction. Abul Hanoidir Min Habayas, a person who swears not to, or vows not to benefit from a house, Osir Min Ho'agaf Vilifnim. He is prohibited from entering the house from the point of where the door closes and in. But from the point in the uh, entranceway that the door has already closed outwards, even though you're in the entranceway of the house, you're not considered in violation of a vow of someone who was no bias. Minolon di buro de maso kemasa domi. From where do we know that the Ebor of a city is considered like the city. Omar of Yochanan, the Omar Kroh, the Possek says, Vaibos Yoshua Birichal, Vahule. The Possek describes Yoshua, uh, Joshua, who 
led the Jewish people into the land of Israel and encountered a well, battle with the city of Yericho. It says in Joshua, and Yeshua was in Yericho. My Yericho? What does it mean was in Yericho? Elam and Yericho, Mamish, it was literally in the city of Yericho, Voxiv, Yericho, Sogeras, and Musugeras. The Pesach describes Yericho as being totally sealed up. You couldn't, outsiders couldn't enter it. We have to conclude, therefore, that he wasn't in the city literally, but he was within the Ebor, and, and nevertheless he's described as if he's in Yericho. Well, if you say that the city was closed, and yet he was in Yericho, maybe it was within the Tchum, and that the Tchum would be considered being in the city. The Gemara says, Hoksiv Regarding Tchum, the Torah says, and we mentioned before the the uh, Levite cities, it says, Umadoisem michutz lo'ir. The Tchum being described in this posuk is referred to as outside the city. So the Tchum cannot be considered as being the city. Hanodir min abayas enu osir elo min ho'agaf velifnim. Avo min ho'agaf our Mishnah implies that from the point at which the door closes and outwards you're allowed to be, you're not prohibited in other words that's not house Ah, Mosiv Rav Mori Rav Mori raises a, an objection from a Tanaic source this Tanaic source deals with the topic we mentioned earlier Nigei Botim, a house that becomes defiled through the appearance of a nega. Part of the process involves a Kohen coming to investigate the house and ruling upon that which he sees. Now there's a posuk that is found in Vayikra, Perek Yudalid, Posuk Lamed Ches, and uh, the, the Pesach is quoted in the Gemara text, but in, but in sections. The entire Pesach, though, we've included on the side, and it says, V'yotza ha'kayim min habayis, el Pesach habayis, v'izgiris habayis shivas yomim. The Kohen, in the, we'll say, the first stage of, of nega uh, development or determination, the nega needs a Kohen ruling in order to determine what we are to do, how we are to proceed with, uh, with the uh, establishment of the house as a bias menuga. So it says that the, uh, the Kohen, after entering the house, he leaves the house and he closes it up for a period of seven days, following which he'll come and investigate it again. But in the meantime, we don't have to get into the details of Nigei Botem. What we want to focus is on this idea of the Kohen leaving the house and Closing the door of the of the of the suspect house, the suspect of having negoyim. So, what does it say in this Tanaic source? It says, and the coin leaves the house. Does that mean that the coin uh, goes all the way home to his house and uh, through an agent or maybe a very long rope? that's tied to the door, he then closes the door after the coin gets home to his own domicile. Is that the way things are done? Talmud Lomar, the Pesach says, El Pesach The closing of the house <coughs> on the part of the coin is when he's at the 
at the door of the afflicted house, not when he gets home to his own place. Well, E.L. Pesach Habayas Yochol Yamo Tachas Hamashkoif Viaskir. If you're going to emphasize El Pesach Habayas, does that mean that the coin stands underneath the, you know, within the threshold, the Mashkov, within the, the, well, the door frame and, and closes the door that way? Talmud Lomar, Min Habayas. Ad Shietzei Min Habayas Kulo. The closing of the door, uh, the part of the coin is only when the coin leaves the house entirely. Well, so how is that accomplished? He stands right outside the entranceway, the Yasgir, and closes the house, closes the door that way. From where do we know that if the coin went to his own house and used the long rope approach or an emissary to close the house, the afflicted house, or the coin stood within the entranceway and closed it, <coughs> that that's also considered a fulfillment of the laws of closing the house. The additional expression in the Pesach indicating that any form of closing is also considered a closing. But what's the main point? The main point is that in order for, uh, to, in order for the closing to take place, he has to be outside of the house. And how is that? That's only if he's not in the entranceway whatsoever. But once he's in the entranceway, even though it's at a point beyond the closing of the door, He's still considered in the house. So how can you say that standing within the entranceway is not considered within the house when according to these laws of Negoyim, Negei Botim, standing within the entranceway, even though you're outside of where the door closes, you're still considered in the house. The Gemara says the realm of Negei Botim is governed by verses that are unique to the realm of Nigei Batim and don't, uh, don't uh, determine the laws of Nidorim, of vows, shiny, gabi, bias. It's different with regard to the laws of Nigoyim. Dechtiv, there's a special reference in the verse that says, Min Habayas. Achietse Min Habayas Kulo. He has to completely leave the house beyond what's commonly accepted as being outside the house. So as far as the Dharma concerned, they were governed by what's commonly accepted as being outside the house, and that's Mino Agaf from the uh, uh, from the Agaf Ilachutz, from where the door closes, from that point outwards, you're considered outside the house with regard to the laws of vows. And hence uh, as we saw in the Mishnah, someone who's no bias, his prohibition is only being from the point that the door closes inwards, but not from that point outwards, even though you're still in the entranceway. With that, we conclude our Shior for today.